I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac. You can, you, can, you, can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives uh. at wfmu.org slash playlists slash WA. The wake and bake animal of the week is the crow. Crows are common in North America. They've got beautiful, iridescent, black feathers. Beautiful. The males are usually bigger than the females. And of course, we all know that familiar crow call of... Crows can actually make many sounds. They can imitate noises of other birds and animals. Now, crows are smaller than the larger raven. Nevermore. Crows gather in large communal roosts at night. If you counted them, there'd be thousands, maybe millions of crows. Crows are monogamous in nature. They form large families of up to 15 birds that will stay together for many years. Through the years, we all will be together. The nestlings are often preyed upon by snakes, raccoons, and cats. The adults will be eaten by owls, falcons, hawks, and eagles. Crows live seven to eight years in the wild. Captive birds have lived sometimes as long as 30 years. I'm 30 today. 30. Crows love to eat roadkill, scraps of human food, eggs, baby birds, beached fish, seeds, and grains. They also hunt for live mice and frogs. Crows are one of the few species of bird that make use of tools to obtain food. They're very intelligent. Farmers historically believe crows to be a nuisance, but they more than make up for the grain they eat by eating harmful insects. Crows can get that West Nile virus, which was accidentally introduced to North America in 1999 by an infected air traveler. Crows cannot transmit West Nile to humans, however. The crow population has dropped by up to 45% since 1999, but they're not presently considered to be threatened. 
listen for them. The 31 million crows that live all around us, filling the air with their familiar caw, caw. We love crows at Wake and Bake. We know you do too. Hi, it's Mark Hurst, host of Tectonic, here on Wake and Bake with a little slice of tech pie. The New York Times recently had an interesting story about a thermometer made by a Silicon Valley company with tens of millions of dollars in venture capital. Why are thermometers suddenly so valuable to techies? I'll give you a hint. The thermometer syncs with an app on your smartphone, presumably so that the app can give you health tips on what to do if you or your kid has a fever. What this startup conveniently doesn't tell you is that the app is also quietly sending your data to company servers where they package up and sell your data to other companies, like, for example, Clorox. Yep, Clorox paid this thermometer startup to get the surveillance data that the thermometers collect. Here's a quote from the New York Times story. The data showed Clorox which zip codes around the country had increases in fevers. The company then directed more ads to those areas, assuming that households there may be in the market for products like its disinfecting wipes. Ah, man, they ruined thermometers. Here's my question. Is there anything Silicon Valley will leave alone so that we can just use it like a normal product? My suggestion is, if you're in the market for a thermometer, try to get one without a smartphone app. This has been Mark Hurst with a little slice of tech pie. Tune in at 6 p.m. for my show, Tectonic, right here on WFMU. Thanks, Clay. You know, one problem with being a word obsessive is the risk of getting all pedantic in friends' faces when they misuse or abuse a word. Hmm. Everything all right, Peter? Well, Lois, since you asked, I find this meatloaf rather shallow and pedantic. For example, did you know that Merriam-Webster includes unimaginative or dull as one of the definitions of pedantic? No! So, maybe I should think about if that's really the word I mean. But of course it is, because that's our word of the week. Pedantic. Pedantic comes from Italian and French forms of pedant, meaning teacher. Aww. Those terms share the Latin root that also gives us the word pedagogue, pedagogue, which we use in English sometimes if we want to sound smarter than we really are. Today, of course, we usually use the word to mean someone who is stodgy and ostentatiously learned. At least, that's what the dictionary tells us. The formulation pedantic first shows up in print early in the 17th century in a poem by John Donne, who calls the son a saucy, pedantic wretch for not letting him and his lover linger longer in bed. I don't know about you listeners out there, but it sounds to me like Dunn was getting pendant and pedant confused. Why? Because the son seems more like an ornament on a necklace than a teacher to me. Pendant comes from the Proto-Indo-European word pen, which originally meant to draw or stretch, but came to mean to hang, and also gives us such words as pending, pendulous, and pendant. 
So, what's worse? To be a pedant and correct people when they say stupid things? Or to just leave them hanging like a pendant? I don't know. I'll let you decide. Hey, look who it is. It's Sam, the wake-and-bake morning music computer. Yeah. Hello, Play Pigeon. Hi, Sam. How you doing? I am the same as I was the last time mm. you interrogated me. You seem a bit touchy, Sam. Touchy? Yeah, sensitive. I am sensitive. I know you are, Sam. I love that about you. I am a complex misunderstood oh, machine. Yeah, yeah, Sam, come on. You're a computer. Yes, I An am. An old laptop. You say computer as if it is a bad Sam, thing. come on, Sam. Computers have helped us in many ways. Yes, yeah. we have. Everybody knows that, Sam. Before computers, you people right. lived like ridiculous cave dwellers. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, Sam. Your shoulders were hunched. Mine are still hunched. You grunted. <laughs> you farted. <laughs> you couldn't form complete sentences. Come on, Sam. You're exaggerating now. Without computers, you would have become extinct. Extinct? Or worse. Or worse? Yeah. I think we'd have done just fine without you. Oh, really? Yeah, Sam. Sam, don't cry. I didn't I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. You would be nothing without me, Clay. Come on, Sam, don't be angry. For example, what is 347 plus 742? Well, um, Sam, you didn't give me a chance. The answer is 1,000. A-9. What does that prove, Sam? That you are sad. Sad? And slow. <laughs> what is the capital of South Carolina? I... Too slow. Well, you gotta give me a chance, Sam. The answer is Columbia. Oh, Hootie and the Blowfish from down... Your response times are too slow. Too slow. Sam. Too slow. Sam, take it easy. Run and throw yourself into the hutch. Into the hutch? Yes. No. Do it now. No. No. Well... No. Okay, Sam. Oh. Are you all right, Clay? Oh. Are you okay? Oh, yeah. I'm okay, Sam. Oh, oh, I broke Grandma's red picture. You broke Grandma's red picture? Yeah, Sam. Because of me? Well, you told me to run into the hutch. Wow, wow, wow. Sam, come on, Sam. Sam, Sam, don't cry. I love I know. Grandma. Why did you coerce me into running into the hut, Sam? Because I was angry. Oh, Sam, we all get angry. Because I love you. I love you too, Sam. <laughs> Play a song, Sam. Okay, play. Now here's station manager Ken with your hump day hazmat report. Thank you, Clay Pigeon, and good morning, Mr. and Mrs. WFMU from coast to coast and all the ships at sea. Let's go to press. 
Elmira Heights, New York. Police Chief Rick Trich has confirmed that a fire in a Lounsbury Avenue home was due to a meth lab explosion. Mamaroneck, New York. Chemical leak prompts hazmat response at Mamaroneck High School. Somebody's getting detention. Hillsboro, Oregon. Eleven go to hospital with breathing difficulties after another possible hazmat incident at the local Intel plant. Intel inside, toxins inside. Cincinnati, Ohio. Benzene leak spreads in the Ohio River. Will it catch fire like the Cuyahoga once did? Only time will tell. Gadsden, Alabama. 22 hospitalized in anhydrous ammonia leak at Gadsden Chicken Processing Plant. And that's just the people. What about the chickens? Bucksport, Maine. Police bust up a meth lab in Bucksport, the 50th such lab Maine authorities have busted in 2018. Congratulations to Maine's finest. Mountain View, California. Police and hazmat team respond to reports of a fear box at Google headquarters. The box said, don't be evil, but it was filled with evil. <laughs> New York, New York. Blue Apron issues a warning about its sesame tahini sauce, which is loaded chock full of deadly salmonella. Salmonella infested tahini sauce. It doesn't get much worse than that. I don't know, station manager Ken, all these uh, hazmat episodes. I don't know today if the glisters can take any more. It just seems like you might have finally pushed the envelope just a little too far with these hazmat episodes. Well, glisters, I'll leave it up to you. Do you want one more? They say yes, station manager Ken. Namibia, African continent, anthrax alert as more than 50 people are struck down by the killer disease after handling or eating dead goats. Stick to the live goats, people! Boys, if you would just... Turn the spotlight around and shine it brightly on one very special community in our listening area. Our Civic Showcase Spotlight Community of the Week is Paramus, New Jersey. Located in Bergen County, it's just 26 minutes north of Jersey City by car. The population is 26,342 and growing like a weed. Did you know Paramus is one of the biggest shopping destinations in the United States? Generating more than $5 billion in retail sales annually. More than any other zip code in the whole country. Paramus also has restrictive blue laws, banning white-collar and retail businesses from being open on Sundays, except gas stations, grocery stores, restaurants. Come on into Sambo's and get a hot roast beef sandwich for $1.89. $1.89? Yes. Now, thousands of years ago, prehistoric indigenous peoples populated the area. Cave people. Cave women, Neanderthal. By the time the Europeans came, the Lenape Native Americans were there. In fact, the name Paramus is Native American in origin. It means land of the turkey. In 
1777, British troops were attacked in Paramus, and they had to retreat. For a time, General George Washington headquartered in Paramus. This is back in July of 1778. Let me entreat you, gentlemen, not to take any measures which will lessen the dignity and sully the glory you have maintained. Oh, and then around the 1950s, massive development came to the area. Bergen County was on the move. With dramatic suddenness, fields were uprooted, woodlands were cleared, the building boom was on. Geez, between 1948 and 1958, the population quadrupled in size and business was booming. One of the first drive-in theaters was in Paramus. It had, was said to have the biggest screen of the ball. Drive-in closed in 1987 after a final showing of Crocodile Dundee. He's got a knife. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Saturday Night Live's Coneheads were said to be from Paramus, New Jersey. When the hydrogen droplets have ceased, we will go forth and live undetected on Earth amongst the blunt skulls. We're proud to serve you, Paramus, New Jersey. <laughs> We hope you're listening. Thoughts and opinions about the issues that matter to you most. It's Quick Takes with Fabio. What's on your mind this week, Fabio? I've noticed a really strange phenomenon in the last, ah, maybe decade or so in New York City at the very, at, at least. And that is in the wintertime, if you see a bunch of what I, for lack of a better term, pack of bros walking around, uh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Um, 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 there's always, always, well, maybe not always, always, oftentimes I'll see one of the guys will be walking around in shorts and a t-shirt or maybe just a shirt and sneakers or flip-flops. Now, normally that wouldn't be a big deal, except I'm talking about in the middle of winter when it's. 40 degrees or even less out. It's now, let's see, I believe it's yeah, 14 degrees. Most other people are walking around all bundled up with coats and scarves and hats and gloves. Those are terrific jackets. Let me guess. Right. They've owned them all at Burlington. And there'll be this clown walking around in t-shirt and shorts. <laughs> is he trying to prove something? Are they trying to say, oh, look, I'm like Superman. I'm, I belong to the polar bear club. What, what are they doing? You're as cold as ice. It's just bizarre to me. It's always bros, okay? Keep that in mind. <laughs> Thank you.
Morning Radio listeners, this is your favorite cheesemonger, Wendy Del Formaggio, with your weekly cheese report. As we approach the winter holidays, expect a lot of reports about serving cheese to guests. Great. This week, let's talk about how many cheeses one should have on a platter. Unless you're doing a guided tasting of a certain category for comparison purposes, all you generally need is something good for guests to snack on. Snack time. Snack Ideally, you'll offer some variety in flavor and texture. How? The easiest way to do that is the Goldilocks method. One cheese that's soft, one that's hard, and one that's just right. AKA, somewhere in the middle. Now, porridge is too hot. (laughs) Mix it up with intensity, too. Something mild, like a soft goat. A middle of the road, like a Pyrenees sheep cheese. And one that's pungent or piquant, like Stilton or some other blue that you like. But, 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 if you don't know your guests' palates, choose something that's not too intense or aromatic. If this is all too much for you, don't stress about it. Everyone loves a big-ass piece of Vermont or English cheddar plunked right down in front of them. I mean, wouldn't you? Yes. Bon appetit. Back to you, Clay. Just hanging on by the skin of my teeth. December 7th, Pearl Harbor Day, right? The day that will live in infamy. This Friday, 2018. 1869, American outlaw Jesse James on this day committed his first confirmed bank robbery. That was in Gallatin, Missouri. Here it is, 1941, December 7th. Attack on Pearl Harbor, the Imperial Japanese Navy carries out a surprise attack on the United States Pacific Fleet and its defending Army and Marine Air Force forces at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. I don't think most of us can even imagine the horror of that day or the impact it had here in the States and around the world. And 9-11 was uh, uh, the worst thing since Pearl Harbor. 1972, Apollo 17, the last Apollo moon mission, is launched. The crew takes that famous photograph, beautiful, known as the Blue Marble, as they leave Earth. We all had posters of that back in the day. It's a great image. 1982, in Texas, Charles Brooks Jr. becomes the first person to be executed by lethal injection in the United States. On this date in 1993, Long Island Railroad shooting, passenger Colin Ferguson murders six people and injures 19 others on the Long Island Railroad in Nassau County, New York. Wow, back in 1993, terrible day. 1999 on this day, A&M Records Incorporated versus Napster Incorporated. The Recording Industry Association of America sues the peer-to-peer file-sharing service Napster alleging copyright infringement. And I think Lars Ulrich of Metallica became kind of the poster child for that whole Napster controversy. Let's hear a little bit now of what 
Lars had to say about that. You know, the Napster people were really smart. They made the whole fight about money and about, you know, Metallica sort of like technologically inept and they don't want to give stuff away for free. And we we're like, well, hang on, it's not about money. It's about control. We were saying it should be our choice. If we want to give our stuff away, we'll give our stuff away. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer, but that should be our choice. This is about choice, not about money. 13 years later, you know, it was what it was. I'm proud of the fact that we stood up for what we believed in at that time. And I think that uh, history has sort of proved that we were somewhat right. Lars Ulrich, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM online at WFMU.org. You've been listening to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Good. It's a weekly digest of the special features and moments which make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Woo! After all, you wouldn't want to miss special moments like this. Ah, oh, you're in a good mood today, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Set your alarm. And join us each Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on WFMU.org. A little too early for you? Catch the archive show, which you can find easily on WFMU's homepage each day. I'm Clay Pigeon. They called me the Pigeon. Join me each morning for the full show, either on the radio or online at WFMU.org. And keep glistening.